Thank you so much for watching or listening to the Jesus Family Orientation Series. This short seven-part series is designed to help give you more information about the Jesus Family and even how to start your very own Jesus Family. This is part three where we are answering the question, what does a Jesus Family dinner look like? And the reason this question is so important is because the Jesus Family dinner is the main component of a Jesus Family. Now, Depending on your religious background, you may be asking a very pertinent question at this point. How is a dinner the main component of a religious organization? Shouldn't there be buildings and programs and live music and live teaching? Well, we're not starting a church. We're starting a family. And what we're basing it off of is how the New Testament records that the earliest church practiced their faith in Acts chapter 2. And here's what you'll find in Acts 2, 42 through 47. You see some components of large group gatherings and small group gatherings when it says that they met every day in the temple courts and then they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. But that does not equate with today's typical large group worship service and then small group ministry or small group in homes uh, uh, type of, of programs. Here's why. When they met together in the temple courts, you have to understand the context. These, this was the temple courts led by the very same people that had just crucified Jesus, trying to put out his movement. So they are not about to sublease a corner of the temple so they can start holding choir practices. When they met together to listen to the apostles' teaching, it made sense why they met in the temple courts. First, it was a place that everyone had access to because at that moment, the the movement of Jesus was confined to Jews for the moment. And so the Jews had the access to the outer courts. And the outer courts of the temple where they met was basically the, the town square. It was mass chaos. There were people everywhere, meaning you could have lectures and groups of people hiding in plain sight. It would be like saying, hey, we are going to meet together in a certain section of a football stadium on game day. Okay, you can meet there, but it's not quiet and reverent and everyone's, I mean, if, if you're trying to do something besides football, but you're meeting in a football stadium, if you want to find anonymity in a crowd, that's actually the perfect place to do it. So when they met in the temple courts, it was not quiet and everyone's sitting together uh, and, you know, passing a plate and then listening to live music and live teaching. It was listening to subversive lectures by the apostles and then finding out where they were going to meet that night to break bread. And so when Luke records that they broke bread in their homes, breaking bread or the Lord's Supper was actually the act of worship that Jesus gave to his disciples. More than and in place of music and teaching and sermons. So when they broke bread, that's when they had, quote unquote, church and it was in their home. So that's why the Jesus family dinner is the main component of the Jesus family. So with that, let's answer three questions. First, what are the most important components of a Jesus family dinner? And then what does a sample schedule look like? And then what's a sign of success? So what are the most important components of a Jesus family dinner? And this is important because there's not one way to do a Jesus family dinner. Some are going to meet once a month. Some are going to meet every week. Some are going to meet in their homes. Some are going to meet in coffee shops or dorm rooms. Some are going to meet at night and have a meal. Some are going to meet at lunch during a lunch break, and some are going to meet 
during the middle of the day if that's what works for everyone. So there's going to be a lot of different ways that people meet for a family dinner, but that idea of, of a family of people coming together to share a meal and share some quality time together, that's what drives the Jesus family. So with that, what are the most important components of a Jesus family dinner? It's four things. It's the apostles' teaching and fellowship. It's the breaking of bread and prayer. They don't have to look the same or sound the same, and they can meet in a whole bunch of different locations. But what should unite us and make it more than just a dinner, but a Jesus family dinner, is that it's a group of people coming together specifically around the apostles' teaching and fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer. Those four components are what drove the earliest church, and those four components are what drives the Jesus family. So we're not trying to start something brand new with some new crazy ideas. We're actually trying to start something ancient, something so ancient, it's actually new. Now, the more you dive into these four components, and we've got all the resources in Jesus, uh, the Jesus Family Podcast, especially season one, you can also go onto our website and look uh, for the resources under Acts 2.42 to do a deep dive into how those four components uh, practices were practiced by the earliest church because it's not just enough to give our version of what we think fellowship should look like or what the breaking of bread should look like. We want to practice them how the earliest church practiced them. And we have that written for us in the pages of the New Testament, which we talk about at length in the Jesus Family Podcast Season 1, as well as our website under the resources for Acts 2.42. So that's the main components, the most important components. Apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. Okay, that's generalities. Let's get to the second question. What does a sample schedule look like? Again, meaning that you can meet in a lot of different ways. I want to try to give you some specifics so that you're not trying to make everything up as you go along. So here's a sample schedule of what you could do and then tweak it according to your needs and according to your circumstances as long as you maintain apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. So let's say you're having a family dinner at your house, and let's say it meets every other week, um, 6 o'clock on a Sunday evening. So you're actually going to have dinner. A sample schedule could look like this. Everyone shows up at 6, which means some people show up at 5.45 and some people show up at 6.15. So that first you know, 20, 30 minutes is everyone just kind of hanging out and getting to know each other and just spending some time. Um, just, you know, one part of fellowship is getting to know each other, just pouring into each other's life, learning details about each other. So that, that's intentional time. It's not just small talk. It's actually intentional talk centered around fellowship. Another key component of fellowship is going to be serving, which we're going to do through family serve days, but be intentional to take time just to get to know each other. So let's say it's 630, you have dinner. Whether some one person cooks it or everyone brings something as sort of a potluck or you have it catered, again, it doesn't matter what that dinner looks like, but, you, but it would be good to share a meal, some type of meal together, even if it's just coffee during the middle of the day. Because the earliest church, they broke bread and they ate together in their homes. There's something that bonds people when they share a meal together. So let's say you have your dinner at 6.30. I would suggest at the beginning that you break bread, which is the main component of, uh, of worship that Jesus gave his disciples. When he, he said, break bread and you, and you drink the cup, you do this in remembrance of me. So when we break bread, we're, we are remembering not just his death and resurrection, but you, we are remembering his love for us. When Jesus said 
that greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. That's the love that he wants us to remember through the breaking of bread. And the reason that the breaking of bread is so important is because it's like, uh, it's like an embrace. It can communicate something uh, more than words could ever communicate. If you were married or if you have a child or a grandchild, if a, you know, a loved one or a child or grandchild comes up and just gives you a big bear hug and they don't even say a word, that embrace communicates more than words could ever say. And so think of the breaking of bread as God's embrace, Jesus' embrace of us, his embrace of love for us. And that's what keeps our hearts centered on his love for us. And that's what keeps this from becoming another religion with rules and regulations, but it keeps it centered on the love of Jesus, is the breaking of bread properly remembered and properly practiced. So bring some bread and bring some juice. Again, with the bread, it doesn't really matter what kind. My preference would be one big loaf so that you can actually tear pieces out of the same loaf. And it's a good visual representation that, hey, we're all members of one loaf of one body of the body of Jesus. And when it comes to juice, you can drink wine, you can drink grape juice, like whatever your background is, whatever you're comfortable with. Some people pass a common cup for hygiene purposes. That might freak some people out, but you can take one cup of wine or juice and then pour individual cups from that. And again, it's a visual representation of that we're all from the same um, blood. We're all from the same blood of Jesus because that's what the, 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 the wine represents is the blood of Jesus poured out for us. So at the beginning of a meal, break bread, take some bread, take some juice or wine and eat and drink in celebration of Jesus's love for us and what unites us and his sacrifice for us. That's the act of worship that Jesus told us on the last night of his life to celebrate in memory of him. So break bread and then eat. And then you can get back to, to eating and fellowshipping and just and just getting to know each other and spending quality time with each other. So at this point, you're an hour in and you've already broken bread and you're, and you're practicing fellowship or one part of fellowship with, uh, with getting to know each other and, and being united and having common interests. And then how you can finish the night is after dinner, you can reconvene in the living room or you can continue to do it through your meal. The Apostles' Teaching. What that looks like, it can look like several different things. It could look like you walking through a passage of Jesus in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, reading through it, talking about it, and how it applies to you and how you're trying to live that out. Um, If you're not comfortable, you know, leading a Bible study or leading something with that, uh, we are going to provide a wealth of resources through the Jesus Family Podcast. Every podcast is designed to be listened to, and then you can discuss what uh, JT and I talk about uh, in your in your family dinners. So I would not suggest watching it together when you're all in the same room. That can be a long time. But it's designed for you to listen to on your own throughout the week. And then you come together. When you come together, say, hey, we're all going to be watching and listening this episode or these episodes. And we'll provide the discussion questions. And you don't have to lead a Bible study if you're not uh, comfortable with that. If you can lead a discussion, then you can have the apostles' teaching. So part of the apostles' teaching is talking about Jesus from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, whether you walk through a passage yourself or you go through something that we provide in the Jesus Family podcast. And then part of the, the apostles' teaching is talking about Jesus and you. So it'd be, it's asking the question, tell me about you and Jesus over the last couple of weeks. How has your walk with Jesus been? And giving people an opportunity to share. And that leads naturally into prayer. 
So at this point, you've practiced the apostles' teaching and fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer. So spend time praying with each other. Spend time praying for each other. And don't spend time just praying for individual needs for each other, even though that is a key component. Spend some time praying that God would do incredible things in your community, that he would do miraculous signs and wonders, that he would convince the unconvinced, that he would show you people that you can um, express the love of Jesus towards, that you could serve. Pray for people who don't yet know Jesus, that God would you know, miraculously move in their lives to stir their hearts to want to know this Jesus. So spend time praying for each other. Spend time praying for your community. And at that point, you've spent two, maybe two and a half hours together. So you get out at 8 or 8.30 if you do a Sunday evening at 6. And you've just had a Jesus family dinner. And crazy enough, you've actually just had church. Because when you look at Acts 2.42, their main component of what we would normally call church was not in the temple courts. Those were the lectures. When they broke bread and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts and they praised God, that happened in the homes. And so the main component of what we would call church is going to happen through the Jesus family dinner. Through the breaking of bread and through the fellowship, through the prayer and through the apostles' teaching. So that's what a sample schedule looks like. Now, let me finish with what does success look like? How do you know you're doing it right? Well, let me give you two ways. The first way is if... At the end of a family dinner, you realize, okay, hey, we've practiced the apostles' teaching and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer. So whatever that looks like and whatever order that looks like, if you practice those four things, then you realize, hey, we're doing church exactly how the earliest church did it. We're devoting ourselves to the same things. So that in and of itself is a measure of success. If your family dinner is centered around the apostles' teaching and fellowship around the breaking of bread and prayer. But let me give you one tangible way, one moment that you're going to realize, oh, Josh mentioned this, that this is actually a sign that this family dinner, God's actually doing something in this family dinner. It it might sound a little odd, but here's a moment that's a, a marker of success for your family dinner. It's going to be that moment when someone comes in or someone's part of your Jesus family and you, you quietly pray to God, you're going to say, God, Jesus, you're, you're going to have to help me with this one. And what I mean by that is when someone is a part of your Jesus family and there's something about their personality or their past or they just start opening up and there's a political view or a moral view or maybe a lifestyle choice that they're still in the middle of and you realize at that moment that outside of this Jesus family, I would have nothing to do with this person. And there's a part of me that wants to judge and condemn and shun them because they are so different than me and their values are so different than me or their actions are so different than what I view are the right actions that if it wasn't for Jesus, I would have nothing to do with this person. That actually is a sign that the Jesus family is working because what you'll find out through the rest of the book of of Acts, very quickly, the Jesus movement outgrew the small Jewish community and it began to incorporate what the New Testament calls Jews and Gentiles, Jews and non-Jews. But more than that, it began to incorporate people from every part of the Roman Empire, people that would have nothing to do with each other. They had different ethnicities, different nationalities, different religious backgrounds, different socioeconomic statuses. And what made this Jesus movement in the first century so magnetic wasn't the fact that they erased all of their differences and they all, you know, looked and acted and talked the same. 
What made this Jesus movement so magnetic wasn't that they erased their differences, but they transcended them through their devotion to Jesus. That clued everyone in that this Jesus, this Jesus of Nazareth, was so important to them that it transcended differences that kept anyone else with those same differences apart in the Roman Empire. So when you have someone as a part of your Jesus family that you kind of want to look sideways at, and in your mind you're thinking, if it wasn't for Jesus, I wouldn't have anything to do with this person, that's actually a sign that God's up to something in your Jesus family because he is going to break down walls and do something powerful through his spirit. Now, that leads to a great follow-up question. Okay, so if people just show up from all over the place and they're from all across the religious spectrum and maybe let's say they're continuing to believe things that I don't believe are biblical or they're continuing to engage in practices that I don't believe are biblical, I mean, does that just mean that the Jesus family is the Wild West, that anything goes? No, 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 not at all. Because what we're going to talk about next is the Jesus family commitment. Once you have a Jesus family dinner and people begin to experience the fellowship, they're going to want more. They're going to want more of that love. They're going to want more of that relationship. So when they commit to a Jesus family, what are they actually committing to? That's what we're going to talk about next. The six Jesus family commitments that we're going to ask everyone who considers himself to be a a full-fledged part of a Jesus family to commit to. And all six commitments come straight from Acts chapter 2. That's the next episode. Keep watching or listening. Thanks.